Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and codings industry. Today, guest is Lourdes Gant. She is the managing director at Manatee Holdings Limited. Hey, Lourdes, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm delighted to be here. Every conversation with you is always a delight. <laughs> oh, I, I gain so much from our conversations. We've, we've interviewed Mike Payton from EOS and some other people, but you're the one that put us onto EOS, which has been extremely helpful. And you, you're also the person that's urged me to get a strategic assistant or an assistant that can help with scheduling and, and to do that. So I, I've always valued our conversations. They've always been fun, but I'm really excited to catch up to see what you're up to and what you've been thinking about lately. <laughs> so I've been to three things lately and it's kept my plate really full. Well, first my son who's turning to be 12 in September. And then of course, my husband, who's also my business partner. But the third thing is our family business, which as you know, is into sustainability in aquaculture. And what I'm thinking about lately after COVID is actually adding advisory and consulting in our line of services. And it's just, just has been hovering in my sphere of brain and thoughts about Three pillars of sustainability. And interestingly, I didn't know that this was already done before, that there's actually an existing three pillars of sustainability, interestingly, from the University of Alberta. But that's a different conversation, the ESG component of sustainability. But when I was creating my model, my three pillars or triumvirate, as I call it, is leadership, partnership, and stewardship. And so this has been my, I'm still calling it right now, ship method, but this is like very, very bad name right now for branding, but because it all ends in ship, but that's where my thought is kind of recently these days. <laughs> well, you got, you got to ship it out and get it going, right? So it's, <laughs> any name is good to get it going. Now let's walk me through that a bit. Okay. So what about the leadership side? What do you think about there? Well, the reason why I originally, this was a download from the heavens, if I may call it that, when I was thinking about this triumvirate, because I was always thinking along the lines of when the sustainability starts. And the download that came to me was somebody who's in the sustainability sphere always needs to be in integrity. And Someone once told me, interestingly, you mentioned EOS because it was Kevin Armstrong who used to be our EOS implementer at that time, defined a leader for me. And that definition stuck with me, which is doing something right, even though no one's watching. And so to me, a leader, even though that person doesn't have a follower, can be a leader if he's doing the right thing. And in sustainability, if someone doesn't have the integrity and the personal leadership to do the right thing, then everything else that happens in the sustainability sphere doesn't have a hold. Or in our space, it's called greenwashing. If someone is not doing the right thing, if it's just for marketing, if it's just for public relations that they're using the word sustainability 
or even now climate positive or future positive without that leadership integrity, personal leadership, then it's all just a wash. Greenwashing is an interesting word. Now, sustainability is complicated. So I'm wondering, what, where does the line? I mean, integrity, how does that work in a day-to-day basis? I mean, because promoting it is not inherently bad, but at what level is, can you maintain the integrity of, of that endeavor? And it's not, I don't know, window dressing to sell product. Right. And so it still boils down. And I'm glad that you talked about the practicality of things. It's one thing to have like all the lingo and the cliche in the space and in the industry, but it still all boils down to practical matters. And so recently I'm a very big fan of the old version was the management by objectives. The new version is OKR. So if you're familiar, I'm sure you're familiar objectives and then key results. And this will all tie in in terms of what's the company's objectives in terms of sustainability and what are the numbers attached to the key results to achieve that objectives. And so there's this great book talking about this, what matters most and talking about OKR. So for example, if the company's sustainability objective would be to have a net zero or have a climate positive environment in their office alone, not even mentioning the whole environment. How do you promote that to your employees in such that the key results would be, are they using steel plastic in terms of when they're using kitchen materials? Are they using cleaning materials that are environmentally friendly? Little things that are measured that becomes big if you add it in a bigger scheme of things. And just for a better example, personally as well, I'm actually on fashion detox for 90 days. And again, personally, the leadership for me first comes with the leader. And so how in a small way can someone who has a small or big organization start within? Because to me, it's important, as you know, it's like, a, if I may say so, leadership from inside and out. Yeah. So I think I get the sense of fashion these talks, but I don't want to assume. Explain that to me. So there's this organization where I'm a member of and our company is a member of called Association of Sustainability Practitioners. And one of the members is actually, and I can send the link to this later, but one of the members just challenged everybody that for the next 90 days, it started July 1, not to buy anything new or in terms of clothing and any other stuff that you think is something that you're almost always attracted to buy. And for a woman like me who loves new things and shiny things and bright and sparkly things, this is a big challenge for me, not because I wanted to buy, just because it's an inherent for me anyway, for women to like new things. And so one of the challenges would be if I don't buy any new clothes in the next 90 days and just really mix and match what I already have, then it's I'm helping the environment. And so, and especially with everything that's happened after COVID, as you know, Amazon has spiked a lot of orders and deliveries, not just in the fashion sense, but in other things as well. I guess it can be applied to anything, but this particular challenge was for fashion. And so 
Did you just want it to go to the secondhand store? Did you want it to go swap? Did you want it to clutter? So all kinds of different activities you can do in regards to just detoxing. Doesn't even need to apply with fashion, as I mentioned. Huh. Okay. And then there's a leadership pillar. And then I think you said partnership pillar. How does that work? So, okay. So the second part of the triumvirate is partnership. So I mentioned in terms of once you're you're all good with the personal leadership thing, I think it's very important, as you know, in business and in, I guess, in people's lives, partnership plays a very big role on how someone succeeds. The old adage, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. And all this, I guess, belief in terms of your network is your net worth and how someone can be catapulted to the next level at a very fast pace if you're connected with someone. And you were already mentioning some of these connections that you have recently. And you mentioned a big name in terms of being your marketing advisor from a very big industry. And that would not have happened if you guys didn't click in one way or another in having a partnership. And so it's very important that if someone had a big goal in the sustainability sphere, it's not only about education assets, as we call it in our industry, it's very important that the people, you have supporters, I think that's the word that I came up with, supporters or a movement. So, and the partners doesn't necessarily have to be big in the space or necessarily famous, but having a community, it's very important to have that value cycle of you have your followers, you have that turns into a community that can later become your prospects and that, I guess, lifetime value of the relationship. You know, in marketing, you have lifetime value of a customer. This one for me is the lifetime value of partnership. And now that I'm talking about it, I've known you for quite some time. So even though we don't really do business much, I really do value our relationship, Tats, and the people who I met through you and even though we don't talk for like 10 years and then we see each other, it's like, you know, that partnership is there. That's how valuable that is. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you say partnerships, you talked about followers. Now everyone wants great partners and more followers, I guess, if they are driven towards a cause. How do you achieve that? If, if it doesn't come naturally to you, how do you approach that? Interestingly, just in the forefront of my mind in terms of this value cycle is a concept that the Genius U group, who I'm a partner with, introduced to me last year of the value cycle. So a follower is someone who gets value from you, whether you're selling to them or not. So in your space and just recently in everybody's space, everybody started a podcast, for example. And I'm saying this because I'm just celebrating my eight weeks doing my podcast, yes. which I resisted for the longest time. I've seen you. I'm like, oh, they're in episode X. I'm, I'm like, I'm a newbie in this. But this is one value that people can give to their, I don't know, customers or what have you. But I can't stress enough how important that people give value, whether you're paid for it or not. Because in the long run, it's still going to have a return. Whether that be like, I'm telling you, I can't believe how much amazing people I've met interviewing people as guests on my podcast that I probably would not have reached if I didn't do that project. 
And I mentioned I resisted that project for the longest time because I thought it's going to be really hard. But like after COVID, I'm like, I'm always on Zoom anyway. I'm always talking to people anyway. So this is just like one step up and got out of my comfort zone. And as I as mentioned, building that value cycle of having a follower and then turning it into a community and then turning it as a prospect and then hopefully becoming your client and a raving fan. And I'm sure you can probably share more stories than I am in this space, but that's just one example. And so the other example can be, I know somebody who in terms of awards and recognition built a great community in terms of every year, these people go to this event where in, well, before COVID, it was live, but after COVID, they got virtual. But just recognizing people for what they've done and building a community around that. And then eventually, this person became the host of this gala and all the businesses that happened just because of that community of people who recognizes that there are really amazing people on the planet doing good things for people. Wonderful. No, that makes a lot of sense. And how about the last one? So stewardship. Stewardship is something that's really close to my heart, both as a challenge and as an advantage. I'll talk about the challenge first, because uh, when I talk about sustainability, when I talk about stewardship, the connotation with that word is really big because it's about helping Mother Earth. How can we save the environment? It's a big task. But again, I go back to the triumvirate in terms of how does that look like in terms of your own life, your own business, your own organization. And as you know, we have a family business and that started 30 years ago. I came in 13 years ago and my son, as I mentioned at the beginning of this call, is turning 13. And how will that all look like in terms of just internally? And so I start with stewardship because the word stewardship itself for me in the Philippines, and I don't know if this is true as well in North America where we are now, is that we have this belief like, how do we say it? Charity begins at home. And so with that in mind and with our organization, I always feel like, okay, am I treating my employees like a family member? Am I treating my joint venture partners, like they are my brother or sisters? Are, am I treating even, you know, my neighbor for that matter? How does our business affect my neighborhood? So start small, I think, with stewardship and go wide. So wide and deep is my word for stewardship because once you start from the first triumvirate of leadership and then with partnership and then it goes bigger. So it's almost like a, in my head, I'm visualizing like a small glow with a tiny star that's so far away. And then it becomes like this whole galaxy of ripple effect that happens. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So stewardship, you said, I know that there's companies out there that look many years in the future or, or hundreds of years in the future, just to take themselves out of it and to create a bigger vision. You said forever or eternity. Is that kind of the concept you're doing? You're just looking outside of your sort of lifetime and seeing how it could possibly evolve? I like that you mentioned that now that you think about it. Actually, I was in strategic coach for three, three years. And one of the things that they do at the beginning of your day one of 
on a three-year journey is to look back of how much life you think you wanted to live. So for example, I'm 46 now and I'm looking into the future 25 years from now. So what would that look like in terms of where I am now to where I'm going to be? But also at the same time, Simon Sinek, the author of Start With Why, also has a recent book called Infinite Game. And he talked about the same thing in terms of the, if you live in such a way that there's no, the way that he worded it in his book is very fascinating for me because it's like, it's a game, you know, if you think of the word game, there's winners and losers. But what if this is like an infinite game when there's no ending? And the example that he used in the first chapter of his book was the war between America and Vietnamese. And originally, they were talking about how America succeeded. But in the long run, did they actually succeed? Because they were still in war while the Vietnamese were preparing in such a way that this we may have lost this battle but the battle has not really finished. And so in the context of sustainability, for that matter, he also had an example there wherein he was talking about one person may have invented the way to be green in a certain crop, and that became a movement. He got a follower talking about value cycle. It became like he, there are a lot of people who became his raving fans that even if that person died, well, he died, all these followers, all this community, all these raving fans that he'd created continued the idea that he really literally gave birth to. And so if you think along the lines of, you know, leadership, partnership, and stewardship in terms of being infinite, it's just kind of a, we're here right now for a limited time, but thinking of it from the perspective of, life goes on even without us. And so if we leave that legacy, and that's the other thing in the stewardship I'm mentioning about our family business, is there's this connotation about being on a third generation. A lot of people lose their businesses after it's being transferred to them. But if you live the legacy now, L-I-V-E, instead of leaving, L-E-A-V-E, the legacy, how would that look like from the infinite game point of view? And so how does, and one of my mentors before too, Lee Brower, was talking about this in the family dynamics of things wherein, okay, he has this quadrants of, in terms of legacy, how would you leave to your children the legacy by leaving them now, for example, creating a family trust and say, in the financial look of things, how does living it now look like? Kids can borrow from the trust and then the trust is like a corporation. So the corporation lives on, even though the parents are already gone. In the social contribution things, what are the charity that we can contribute now we're in? They can get tax breaks, but at the same time, help other people in terms of the cost of what they believe in in that organization. And, and we can talk more along these lines, but I think you get the idea. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like being intentional, alignment to every aspect of the, your life. So you're not doing things tactical because if you do things tactical, they're not ingrained and they don't create momentum in terms of a direction, which people will naturally keep going as long as the fundamentals are, are based on something that's very coherent and deliberate. 
Wow, those are big words. Okay, say those all again. <laughs> I can't say that again. I forgot. <laughs> no, but at least I recorded it, right? So They're perfect, so. perfect. No, but but I wanted to say that all again because they were they were very, very good. You mentioned intentional, and then you also mentioned in terms of being coherent and alignment. Those are big words. To me, those three words represents in terms of how all those words at the end of the day, again, goes back to the heart, I guess. And then it goes back to the leadership pillar that I was talking about. If, if all those words and goes in such a way that it's sincere to somebody who is promoting it or who's carrying on the torch for something to create something that's a purpose, then those words have the meaning being laid out to it. And I'm probably becoming a little bit more, I don't know the word to describe it, but I think you can feel the energy, how bringing it down. And you started it by saying, how can this be more practical? And this is how these big words become practical for me. How does that land on a heart base? Wonderful. Well, I've known you for, for a long time and I know you put your heart into everything that you do and every time we talk i learn something new so i appreciated our conversation today it's an honor thank you thanks thank you for listening to the specified growth podcast today i also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Cats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes, entrepreneurial tips, and more. See you over there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.